Chapter 3. Breadcrumbs The first thing Pravist did was to question his subordinates about whether they had any information on how and where the global terrorist alert had originated. However, with no solid leads, he decided to take a more invasive approach. What he needed to do was to carefully enter the bodies of FBI agents previously associated with Agent Brown and slowly decipher whether they had any information, no matter how small about the origin. It was a long shot, but currently that was all Pravis could do since the process of entering a person without their awareness required slow, precise steps. The first person he entered was a regular agent assigned to Agent Brown from the DC headquarters. As Pravis listened, crowed, and observed, he realized the agent knew nothing of the global alert or of Agent Brown's true mission. No one knew that Agent Brown had been absorbed by one of Pravis' subordinates some time ago during the humiliating defeat from a multitude of angels battling for Sean's life. Pravis followed this approach for the remaining agents to no avail and was furious with his lack of progress. He desperately wanted to lash out against something or someone but restrained himself as he left the body of the last agent on the list to investigate. Knowing that his mission was going to be a difficult one, Pravis didn't need to compound it by killing a host on a whim. As he stood in the room, invisible to the agent, Pravis reviewed the list of agents he checked and quickly surmised that his search had come to a dead end. There were no other leads. Unable to contain his anger, Pravis emitted a power scream. The agent Pravis had recently left junk as he felt a powerful tremor throughout his apartment. The light bolts exploded and the electricity cut out. He didn't hear the fallen angel's scream but wondered if he had just experienced an earthquake. Looking frantically for a flashlight, he paused when he felt a presence behind him. Instinct took over as he whipped his gun from his shoulder holster and turned in one fluid motion. He didn't see anything in the dark, but slowly scanned the room with his gun the best he could. Not seeing anything, he turned back to the desk and quickly searched for the flashlight he knew had to be there. When he found it, he turned it on and spun around again, gun in one hand and the flashlight in the other. Once more, he scanned the room and saw nothing. Steadying himself and thinking that his nerves were getting to him due to the unexpected earthquake, he decided to check on his neighbors. Minutes later, he re-entered his apartment confused. No one else seemed to have experienced any tremors or loss of electricity. It was as if hell had been unleashed only on his apartment. He kept the apartment door open for some illumination as he called the superintendent on his cell phone. It was 10 at night, and he knew that maintenance wouldn't show up until close to 9 in the morning. An hour past the time he normally went to work. Knowing that he should be present to explain what had happened to maintenance, he decided to leave a message with his supervisor, Agent Martin, to inform him that he would be late arriving to the bureau. Agent Martin? Pravis said softly. The agent turned quickly in his seat and looked around the room. Not seeing a thing, he wondered why he was so jumpy. The dark had never bothered him before. But tonight it seemed as though something ominous was just beyond his ability to perceive. Pravis wondered whether Agent Martin had ever been questioned about the global alert and decided that could be answered by his three superiors. It would have been too easy to enter Martin and find out for himself what Martin knew, but Pravis decided he'd better get permission first since he was in direct communication with the three. He didn't know who they truly were, of course. It was a shot in the dark, but what else could he do? Pravis immediately left the room and oriented himself to travel to the realm where Reyes, Fasa, and Siriasis resided, leaving the nervous agent in his dark apartment wondering what had just happened. The dark 
She all officials sat quietly in his massive Dubai apartment's office as he listened to his three supervisors on the speakerphone. Lately, it seemed as if bad news shattered way too often here at Xi'all. First, the plans to globally infect the populace with the Genovirian had been cancelled, and the officials responsible for the other continents had unexpectedly died. He'd learned that they had been eliminated due to suspicion of leaking information to the Americans about their plans. Since his loyalty was not questioned, he was the only official left, the last of his kind with an enhanced immunity. He looked at the gold ring on his finger, located the large center topaz gem, and twisted it completely around several times as a way of channeling his anger. The dark Sheol official needed an outlet to release his pain and frustration as he patiently hoped that the meeting would soon focus on what Sheol was going to do to strike back. Minutes and details flew by when Voice One finally began to talk about what he had been waiting for. All of our agents have been relocated and reassigned. This wasn't easy since a good deal of them were exposed due to the system being compromised. But now that we've covered this wound, we can focus on who or what group did this," said Voice One in a deep baritone voice. The dark she all officials stopped twisting his ring and stared at the speakerphone in anticipation. Voice One continued, Whoever retrieved she all information was very good, but not good enough to break through the inner core firewall. If that was ever compromised, it would have been the end of all of our plans. But needless to say, no computer or person on the planet could ever break through that firewall, and it's that protection that we've now surrounded our entire network with. The dark, she all official wondered why they hadn't taken that approach in the first place. Better to be overcautious to eliminate the smallest degree of doubt, he thought as he continued to listen. However impressive this attack against us was, it wasn't perfect. Some of our specialists have discovered a trail. It was false at first, but just beneath it, a faint hint led back to the originator. Voice 1 continued before being cut off by Voice 2. The trail is barely perceptible. Each step is long and arduous, but is slowly revealing where this cyber attack came from. In time, we'll have the information, and that is when we need you to take care of them," said Voice 2 with a rushed nasally voice. Consider it done, it'll be my pleasure, the dark, she, all official eagerly said. It was Voice 3's turn to speak up. You can't do this on your own no matter how much you want to personally eliminate them. So, we'll be sending you some. Associates of ours with special abilities, he said in a slow and hushed voice, as to add importance to what he was saying. What special abilities? Asked the dark, she all official. Like yourself, they are enhanced humans, but in a far different way. You can say they were bred to be extremely powerful and decisive in their actions. They are completely submitted to our cause, and will not question any of our orders. They are the perfect soldiers," Voice 3 continued. Better than our Xi'al agents. 100 times better. Only our most trusted individuals get to work with them. Consider yourself fortunate," said Voice 3. I'm pleased to be in your favor," said the dark Xi'al official, humbled. Just one more thing. Voice 1 rushed in. They are at a higher level than you've ever worked with, part of the inner core and they go by the designation of Dark Assassins. They refer to us as Reyes, which is me. Fass of me, said Voice 2. And Siriasis me, said Voice 3. These are the code names and designations they will understand and go by when you interact with them. Are we clear? asked Reyes. Yes, very. How long do you think it will take to fully uncover these? Lightly scattered breadcrumbs, 
asked the dark, she all official. It's hard to say, said Fasa, but we'll keep you up to date. For now, stay where you are and keep a low profile, Ray said. Yes, sir. The dark, she all official deactivated the speakerphone and reclined on his office chair. He wasn't much for taking it easy and having a low profile. He was a man of action. Unfortunately, there wasn't much he could do until he got the word from his supervisors. Glancing at his watch, he realized it was time for dinner. He didn't want to eat in his apartment again, so he decided to go out. He called the concierge to make a reservation at Al Wanta, an ocean view restaurant on the 27th floor of Burj Al Arab, with exquisite European cuisine. The dark, she all official could request a private dining room, since he was considered one of the top permanent residents with unlimited capital, but instead decided to mix with the guests of the hotel. The only other request was a corner window table with an escort. He was tired of being alone for so long and just wanted to talk to someone, someone whose sole purpose was to keep him company. After giving the concierge the details of what he expected in an escort, the dark, she all official was told that everything would be in order within a half hour. After a quick shower and putting on some informal clothes of a light gray suit, a white shirt, and a solid navy tie, the dark, she all official made his way to the restaurant. Al Montana's host greeted him with over-exuberant enthusiasm and guided him to his corner table with a great window view. Seated at the table was a beautiful Middle Eastern woman with flowing black hair and hazel eyes. She was wearing a beautiful below-the-knee black sheath dress with three-quarter-length sleeves ending in a white cap. The same white elegantly flowed from each shoulder, extenuating her delicate features and her lightly colored skin. She smiled as the dark, she all official nodded to the host and then sat down opposite her. Good evening, he said softly as he gathered in her features. With a deliberately slow nod, she acknowledged her dinner companion as she tried to determine how to approach him. She had been told that he was a well-off, modern Middle Eastern man, but she wasn't quite sure if he still possessed some traditional views of women. Seeing the woman's cautious approach, the dark, she all official smiled. You can relax feel free to be yourself. I'd appreciate it if you have no hindrance. Good conversation and food, that's all. What's your name? Bahija. That's a beautiful name. Thank you. Call me Khalid, said the dark, she all official. I'm pleased to meet you, Khalid. You had chosen a beautiful place to have dinner. I've always wanted to dine here, said Bahija. Yes, the view is spectacular. Wait until you see the sun setting off the ocean. It's breathtaking. Bahija looked out the window. Yes, it is beautiful. Thank you for sharing this moment with me. Where are my manners? said Khalid. We're here to eat along with enjoying the ambience. Slightly raising his hand, Khalid signaled the waiter who had been specially assigned only for their table. He appeared immediately next to them. Holding a menu out for the man at the table, Khalid raised an eyebrow before he addressed the waiter. Two menus. Bahija will order for herself. Yes, sir said the waiter, snapping his fingers. Within seconds, a second waiter gave him another menu, which he quickly deposited in the Middle Eastern woman's hands. The waiter blended back into the background as other diners glanced in the direction of Khalid. The level of attention he was getting from the waiters stated that he was someone of very high importance. Many of the conversations began to flow to the identities of him and his beautiful companion. Khalid looked at his female guest. Whatever you want, please, no exceptions tonight. Bahija glanced at him, tilted her head slightly to the left, and nodded. Thank you. The dark, she all official glanced around the restaurant, noticing he wasn't keeping a low profile 
by eating out in a public restaurant and demanding special attention from the waiting crew. He saw many diners glancing in his direction, wondering who he was. In his travels, he had dined at the most elegant restaurants that allowed only those of particular social status. He had figured that eating at a public place where anyone was welcome, if they could afford to pay, would be equivalent to not bringing attention to himself. He had obviously been wrong. Looking at the menu, he plotted out what to eat. He figured he would start by ordering the Beluga Imperial Caviar, hand-picked scallops as an appetizer, and sea bream filled with courgette skin pesto as the main course. It has been years since he had touched alcohol. It no longer interested him, so a glass of mineral water would suffice. Clearing his throat before speaking, he asked, Did you make your decision? Yes, I'm just interested in the grain-fed chicken breast Australian yabbles. Baija responded, Are you not interested in anything else on the menu? We can see what specialties they have for tonight, or have the chef personally cook you anything you fancy. No, that's quite all right. Everything looks delicious. The chicken will be just fine. After the waiter returned and took their orders, Khalid finally began to relax and enjoyed Bahaj's company. She was well-suited and intelligent enough to carry on a conversation. So, what do you do? Khalid asked. And don't tell me that you're an escort by profession. There's definitely more to you than that. Actually, I'm a graduate student at AUD, the American University in Dubai, going for my MBA. My scholarship only goes so far, so I do this in between semesters to help pay for my tuition. Really? I would have never guessed. Why not get a part-time job or internship to help? Asked Khalid. Bahaija took a sip of water before answering. You can say that I'm not a typical Emirati woman. I don't wear an abaya, and I tend to have an open mind to many things. She glanced at him to see if he was offended. Detecting no malice, she continued. Even though there are many cultures here in Dubai, for me it's hard to find work with my Western way of thinking. Khalid shrugged. I have no problem with that. It must be difficult for you. Does your family support you? I don't talk to them as I used to when I was younger. So, you support yourself. I admire that. And what do you want to do once you get your MBA? Behind just sparkled with life as she considered her future. I love my country, but I think there will be more opportunities for me somewhere else. I'm looking to get sponsored for a visa in Europe. I don't know, maybe find a position in England. Now Khaled understood why she chose such a job in between semesters. What better way to make contacts with foreigners than to wine and dine with them? There were numerous businessmen from various countries doing business in Dubai. It was an ingenious way to make contacts, but it would also isolate her from the local people. Even though he was sure there were no lurid interactions occurring during her dates, it probably didn't look good for her. You didn't expect someone like me tonight, did you? He asked. No, I mostly interact with foreigners. You were quite a surprise. Where are you from? Finally asked. I'm from the Middle Eastern region and don't consider myself a Westerner. He responded, but there's only so far I'd go with embracing some traditions and beliefs. Feeling more comfortable, she leaned forward. You're quite mysterious, Khalid, and very secretive too. Let's just say I work for a very powerful organization and just want to keep a low profile. Hmm. So, I guess there aren't many questions I can ask you about yourself, she asked, already knowing the answer. No. Unfortunately, I can't answer most questions, but I'm very interested in you. You have a rather bold history. Do you mind if we talk further about you? He asked. Not at all. I 
Bahaiji was interrupted when their food arrived and waited until they had more privacy. This all looks so delicious, she continued. Caviar? asked Colin. Oh, thank you, but no thanks. I never really developed a taste for fish eggs and really don't see what's the big deal about it. Khalid chuckled before digging into the caviar. They remained silent for a while as they consumed their meal. So, Bahija, where were we? Said the dark, she all official, breaking the silence. Oh, yes, I wanted to know a little more about you if you don't mind. By the choices you've made, you must live a rather solitary life around here. Bahija glanced down at her remaining food before responding since the question was rather blunt and to the point. It also cut deep since this was something that had weighed heavy on her for quite some time. It's not as I would want it to be, but I made choices in my life I will have to live by. Sometimes I have to remind the foreigners I accompany that my presence doesn't go beyond that of just an escort. Many are seeking a more intimate time but have to be reminded that being in a foreign country doesn't mean they are entitled to certain liberties. Yes, I don't have much of a life here other than going to school and the escort service. My decisions have left me disowned, shunned, and forgotten among my old friends and family. Moving to another country after I get my graduate degree is my saving grace. However, until then, I have to endure the loneliness and look toward a brighter future. Taking a bite of his meal, Khalid nodded as he listened, knowing she felt uncomfortable yet obligated to make the evening interesting for him since he was paying for her company. If only the Genovirian project proceeded, this would be one of the women embraced into his new kingdom. However, those days were far removed. Life was the same today as it had been the day before. People were struggling to make their dreams come true, fighting against heavy odds, while pushing against established social and cultural norms that constrained their true potential. In Bahaija, he saw a person with a drive and will to overcome every detour in her life to gain that which she desired. The evening was turning out to be rather interesting for him. An evening devoted to just relaxing had developed into an interview for a prospective Sheol agent. Thank you for being so honest, he said as he continued to consume his meal. Was that difficult for you to say? Bahijin took a sip of water. It's not so easy being dead to so many, but I fear my conversation has darkened our meal. Should we talk of other things? Sure. When will you get your MBA? One more year. I was hoping to have something in Europe worked out with a company by this time but finding someone to sponsor me has been slow. She finished the last of her meal, placed her utensils on the dish, and gave Khalid her undivided attention. The chicken was very good, thank you so much. My pleasure, he said as he began to wonder why, with every passing minute, he was becoming more intrigued with this woman. It wasn't the first time he'd had dinner with a beautiful woman, and he knew it wouldn't be the last. But her history and her drive seemed to call out to him. You remind me of myself, he said before he could catch the words from leaving his mouth. Really? Is that so? I do hope I become as successful as you one day. She said, smiling and realizing that he had finally opened up. Khalid finished his meal without saying another word. He was disgusted at himself for losing control for the briefest moment. He tried to think of other topics to talk about while Bahija, aware of his inner turmoil, waited patiently by occasionally looking out the window at the magnificent view. After the waiter retrieved the empty plates and acquired their request for dessert and coffee, the dark, she-all official finally opened his mouth. Do you have plans for tomorrow? He asked. Dinner? I wasn't told of any appointments, but... The whole day, Khalid cut her off. I? I don't think so, she said nervously, 
wondering if he was suggesting more than just meeting for a meal and conversation. I'll make the call. I think I can help you get a good position in Europe, if that's what you want. But I need to be sure you're right for my company. Khalid noticed that Bahija shivered slightly, and he knew immediately what she was thinking. I don't want anything from you. As I said before, you remind me of myself of long ago. I just want to help if I can. Bahija looked at Khalid blankly for far too long before responding, wondering if this were really coming true. I, I, don't know what to say, she said, failing to hold back her shock. Say nothing. Let's just enjoy the rest of the meal and start fresh tomorrow. Yes, of course, she said, thinking of her dreams finally coming true, but failing to remember she knew nothing about this man and the company he represented. The prospect of taking a large step forward and the excitement of the moment totally consumed her thoughts. 